This is the Authentic Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Nick Foley and Stu Saunders. Here we go. This is what I got to say. Hey everyone, it's Nick from The Authentic Entrepreneurs. I'm here in Vancouver, BC, in part of the Epic Community uh, Conference with Stu Saunders. He's not with me right now, he's behind the scenes making this amazing event happen. We're getting ready to do day four. As I'm sitting here, we, or as I'm standing here, I want to introduce uh, Phil Jones. We're going to circle back to that interview. Phil was one of the speakers here today, uh, this week and did a fantastic job at orating how to uh, concentrate on the ask as a entrepreneur. So we hope you enjoy this great fun-filled and lots of information-filled episode with Phil Jones. So, uh, welcome to the newest episode of The Authentic Entrepreneurs. I'm Stu Saunders. I am Nick Foley. And we are so happy that you have joined us. Um, we hope you subscribe, uh, that you share, that you comment, that you rate our program on iTunes or uh, on YouTube, wherever you're listening to it. Um, we are talking about uh, this week a really cool kind of conversation, I think, with a great guy named Phil Jones. Um, but we're talking about communication. We're talking about um, uh the process, process, entrepreneurship, and and uh, and and bringing back the, I think the uh, the, the human connection between people. Right. And it's not just about the transaction, and, and Phil talks about it. Not just about the transaction. So who is Phil Jones? So Phil Jones, he is a entrepreneur. Uh, he's written uh, three books that exactly where exactly where to start, exactly how to sell, it, exactly what to say. I didn't even have to read it off the screen. I didn't know that, but I was looking. Um, and yeah, he is a uh, master of his craft. He's, he's an individual that um, works with companies and, 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 and organizations about uh, the process of selling. And he's really committed to it yeah. um, and doing, uh, doing amazing things. He's got some amazing things coming up. Right. And, and we had a long conversation. We told Phil it was going to take about 20 minutes. And we ended up doing about 35. And we could have done 65 more. Yeah. And we, I don't think we even, we even really scratched the surface um, with what he has to share. Um, and so uh, I hope you enjoy our long-winded, wide-ranging conversation um, with best-selling author, speaker, entrepreneur, uh, Phil M. Jones. So we're super excited to, today to have um, our second ever guest on the Authentic Entrepreneurs. Um, as you heard in the intro, uh, Phil M. Jones is here. Uh, Phil, you're in New York today, right? You're in the New York State area? I am. Yeah, I'm at home. Home office today for a treat. I love it. Um, and uh, we're just, we're so honored to have you. Um, you know, and we talk all things entrepreneurship. And one thing that you are very, um, you're very good at, and uh, one thing you are, I'm, I've always been impressed since I had a chance to, to get to know you, um, is your master, mastery, sorry, of communication, the English language, and how to really connect with people. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and, and I mean, part of it has to do you have a great accent, and I think that helps. Um, <laughs> I think everything, everything said with a good accent sounds better. Um, but uh, but you actually I was listening again this morning to your um, to your book exactly what to say and uh, kind of you know on the way into the studio and I, I'm just the the way you, you you lay things out is fantastic so I, I'm just so happy that our, our listeners um, have a chance to actually to listen to what you have to say and learn from you so um, so Nick's gonna start off uh, this morning with some questions and we're just gonna take it from there beautiful 
Great, Phil. Well, thanks again. I, just reiterating what um, what Stu was saying, I've I've actually was able to to lean into some of your uh, your keynotes as well, and uh, just the the way that you you facilitate on stage, and it's like you're having a conversation with the audience. And one of the audiences that you were with, I think there, it looked like there was about a thousand people in the room, and it was just so seamless. And um, as a person and who presents often, uh, it was it was nice to watch. It was a nice uh, uh, a nice learning experience for me just to see how you present and and, uh, and that. thank so, you yeah so uh, you know Phil there's so much to, to talk about with you um, one of the things I, I was just saying that uh, your your second book I believe uh, exactly how to sell um, the sales guide for non sales professionals that really kind of um, I was wondering if you'd like to lean into is the acronym with uh, with friends uh, for friends I, okay. I just thought that was like you know if a non sales person that's an entrepreneur that's always struggling with you know how to close deals and how to you know how to position myself in that capacity when I was listening to it I was thinking to myself my goodness this is just so practical and pragmatic um, if you can maybe a lot of our listeners we have some young entrepreneurs and I think that would really really benefit them onto uh, you know what 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 that acronym means and, and how it would benefit them as an entrepreneur yeah sure um I think a big mistake that many people make in the world of sales is they go out and they try and reach everybody and anybody and they start screaming from the rooftops about the value proposition they have and the features and benefits of their product or service. And there's a giant difference between sales and marketing. What marketeers look to do is to get bees around a honeypot. They say honey's so sweet and then they hope some bees turn up but have no control over how many or who. And this results in people either having not enough, too many or worse than that, the wrong type of people showing up. What salespeople can do by alternative is that they can choose their customers. They can decide ahead of time who they'd like to better do business with. And your success in sales in, is in direct correlation to the size of your list, the size of people that you can invite to be customers. I invite a lot of people in business to say, how many potential new customers do you have that you could start a conversation with? And more often than not, they either don't know that answer, they haven't compiled a list, or they're working from this giant database that isn't truly a list full of predetermined prospects. So what FRIENDS is, is an acronym to help people build a list. Quite often when people start out on their entrepreneurial journey, they say, well, what you need to do is you need to reach out and do business with your friends. And that for me is, is a really dangerous piece of advice. Because what happens is, is you've started something new, you rush out into your friend group and say, hey, you know, I'd like your help with blank, blank and blank. And they say, well, yesterday you used to be this. Or well, last month you were that. What means that you have the right to be able to show up and be this person today? So you face rejection, question and resistance from the people nearest and dearest to you. And the result of which is your confidence is dented. So I take the word friends, I turned it into an acronym and to help people build a list of potential people they can do business with. The F in friends does stand for your friends, but instead of you speaking to your friends, inviting them to be customers, could you speak to your friends and invite them to open up their network into the type of people that you might want to be able to serve? So that might be you reaching into your friends and your family members and saying, hey, you wouldn't happen to know somebody who fits this description. So you wouldn't happen to know somebody who works in the healthcare industry. You wouldn't happen to know somebody who works in, um, in finance. You wouldn't happen to know somebody who works at blank organization because that was somebody you'd like to be able to do business with and you use your friends to get you one step closer to the gold as opposed to be the gold. The R in friends stands for records. We've all collected data through the years, whether it's contact forms on websites, business cards at networking events, old delegate lists from people we knew from things we've done in the past. What you can do is you can scan through all those old, old records of data and say who here either meets my target market or would lead me towards somebody who would meet my target market. 
identify those people as specific people, pick up the phone to them, talk to them about the one thing you have in common, which was how you acquired that record in the first place. You can be honest, authentic. You can say things like, hey, I was cleaning through my desk and I found some business cards from that event. And then in finding those details, um, you jumped in front of mind. I thought you dropped you a call and find out what's new with you since last time that you met them. The I stands for industry. Here's all of a sudden where what you can do is get focused in and say, what are the industries that I want to serve and who are the people I can find within those industries? Because people want to deal with specialists. You're much better to build a marketing business that serves dentists than a marketing business. <laughs> That's right. Because now all of a sudden you've got something to shoot at. Right. The E stands for um, e-marketing or e-commerce. So this is how do you use your web platforms, your digital platforms, your social networks to be able to build list. The N stands for networking, which is physical networking. Another great way to build list. Two types of networking events. There's the structured kind of B&I style, like formalized same group of people week in, week out networking event. Primary purpose of that event is to um, utilize your key network to grow your list so they can introduce you to people you might want to do business with. And then there's the room full of strangers networking event. Primary purpose of that event is to grow your list directly, not to try and sell to the room to meet people who might later become clients or could lead you towards clients. D stands for directory. Every directory that comes through the door, particularly if you're in a B2B environment, is a gift of a prospect list. If somebody is advertising in a local directory, it means they want to be found. It means they want more of something. The more of something is possibly something you can help them with. Easiest way to be able to open a door is somebody's directory listing. Now, let's just say, for example, let's talk um, caps as if somebody wanted to do business with professional speakers. If they found the directory of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, then they could work through that directory and they could reach out and say, I stumbled across your details in the directory and I'm interested in what caps has to offer. I wondered how it's been working out for you. We're now in a conversation. And then the S in friends stands for same name. This is something that many people miss, is if you have a physical list of prospects and then you work through that same list from top to bottom with names of people, first name, last name, and company, just reading back through the list will prompt you to other people you can do business with. Like, I see somebody called Stu, I think, oh, who else do I know called Stu? And I either do or I don't, add somebody in. I see somebody called Nick. You know, I see somebody else that's got leadership in the title, memory peg jumps in and I think of somebody else. And if I can build a big list of targeted people I want to start a conversation with. I can ask those people a question. Those questions will lead to conversations. Those conversations will become relationships. Those relationships create opportunities and those opportunities lead to sales or new business. Right. I, do you have a call? I have a question on that. Yeah, go ahead. Because you know, one of the biggest things I think with entrepreneurship in 2018 um, or 2019, whenever you listen to this podcast or watching it, um, is, and you talk about this, is the art of conversation being lost. Yep. Um, and I think that's a, a really like, you know, we, we see young entrepreneurs who have put, they're all in Instagram, they're all in Twitter, they're all in, yeah. and they think that's it, right? It's, it's likes and viral videos. And, and I think, you know, you speak a lot to the fact that there is an art in connection, yeah. organic, real connection. Um, and as an entrepreneur, what, what, where do you find that? Like, what's the balance you would like for entrepreneurs? You think between it, with the friends that we just talked about is fantastic. There's so many different angles there, but you know, what, if you were to like put a, a percentage on, like, where do entrepreneurs spend their time? Is it is it all, 
you know, turn social media to organic connection to, you know, reaching hey, out. Like, anybody what do you, what do you that I've ever met that's reached a level of success in anything business-wise has a remarkably strong network. Right. And that network has been earned through dozens of conversations, like hours of listening, being there for the little things that don't matter, that really do matter, showing interest, celebrating the wins of others, being there to be able to pick up the phone when they're in a time of need and act as a sounding board. And they've collected this wonderful resource full of people that they can lean on in times of need, that feel that they have the desire to be able to do things for other people. What's happening now with entrepreneurship is, is too many people are focusing on the transaction itself. And when they focus on the transaction, they get they celebrate success way too early. I use an example of like a wedding dress business. If you're in the business of selling wedding dresses, when do you think most people celebrate the win of the sale? It's when? the day they swipe the credit card right. or it's the yeah. day that they, right. they, they move forward with the transaction. And that's the wrong day. Too many businesses do the exact same thing. Someone's got an online business. Order came through. Cha-ching. They find themselves in the coaching, training, consulting business. New gig today. Cha-ching. That's where they celebrate. But it's the wrong time to celebrate if you want to build a long-term sustainable business. If you're in the wedding dress business, it doesn't matter how well the dress performed on the day. It doesn't matter how well the dress performs throughout all the fittings. It doesn't even matter that much how well the dress performs on the day of the wedding. The day that you have to have clear in your mind if you're in the wedding dress business is the most important day for the bride. And the most important day for the bride to do with that dress isn't the wedding day itself. It's one of the days that follows that point. It's the day she sees herself in the photos. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you can be in the business and understand where you need to move your finish line to, and then you can build your conversation towards understanding that that's the value you're looking to be able to drive towards, and you make all of those milestones on the way magical too, but you're really in the business of making sure she looks great in the photos of her wedding day, what type of business do you build? You build one with reputation. You build one that goes to business. If you right. focus on saying, how do we sell more dresses? How do we swipe more credit cards? then what happens is you get seen as transactional, which means your customers feel no loyalty towards you. We've all got people we do business with in a purely transactional fashion, and it drives zero loyalty. We'll use them out of convenience or necessity, but we won't fight to do business with them. We won't help them when they're in trouble. And an entrepreneurial journey is a bumpy one. Right, 100%. Like even, even the most successful entrepreneurial stories that we see in the press right now are things like Facebook. Look at the struggle it's gone through, 2016, 17, 18, of being able to keep that entrepreneurial dream alive when all of a sudden people start throwing stones. When people start throwing stones, which they will, you need those friends to lean on. You need the people in good places. You need the people that remember where you came from with authenticity that will stand up and go, hold on. What about all the times they've been right? We need permission to make mistakes and relationships allow us that. Right. So just in speaking to that, that was a, such a, such a um, you know, a, a a great antidote for it. And speaking to that, if you're a digital company or a digital entre- you're a digital entrepreneur, um, and you know, like you said, you get a transaction, and you're just like cha-ching, you know, I'm 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 doing business here. I provided a product or a service that people are buying. What where where should you be focusing as an entrepreneur now, where you you will be like leveraging long-term kind of uh, consistency and and loyalty with your your potential clients so where where should a where should an online business owner be be looking at like what what should we be looking at as far as you know the most important date well i think they need to understand what their promise is 
Right. And not what the service is, is what's their promise and where are the touch points that can help make sure that people exceed that promise? And then how do you get to celebrate with your customer once they've achieved that promise? So if you're in the business of, um, say, telecommunication and your primary pitch is that we can save you some money and we have an online vehicle, plug your details in, we'll shop the whole thing around, we'll prove to you you can save some money, punch your details in here, everybody's happy. Where are your touch points? Well, one is going to be the manage of the migration of somebody moving from one to another. That's a potential risk point. How do we wrap that up and make that as painless as possible? What do we then do to realize that once they've had their first bill through, that's slightly less than the one they had previously? How do we celebrate that moment with the customer? What do we do to use that moment to be able to encourage conversation into other groups of people? And let's track that all the way through. And if we sold on the promise of the fact that we're sell, we're savior you know, $247 over a year, when the year turns full circle, you want to want to hope that you've saved them at least $247 right. a year. And when you've saved them 258, you've got to be there to remind them and celebrate and say, hey, we did it. We did it. Look what we did. Like me, you and everybody else involved, we did it. What are we going to do this year? How do we keep it going? How do we keep reminding of that value? And it's the focus on the transaction as opposed to the journey that causes many businesses to fail. Because they think that that transaction is going to repeat run. Right. You mentioned earlier on, like my book, exactly what to say. It, it's one of the most um, successful things that I've ever done, and it is the best-selling um, short business book over Audible for the whole of the year. It's absolutely crushed, and people say to me, "Why has it done so well?" It's because people read the book. It's that simple. Like in, in, in nine times out of 10 with a book, what happens is people buy the book. They use the book to decorate a bookshelf. They yeah. feel good about the author because the book now exists. It looks cute the other side of the room. They feel smarter for owning it, but they never read the thing. Reading the book means that you can feel instantly smarter. You can apply it. Plus, you can tell somebody you read the book. You don't tell somebody you bought the book. Great, yeah. I use that analogy for the same purpose of can you everything say that again, else that Phil? we're asking people to buy. We've got to let them experience the thing. Phil, can you say that? Can you say that again? That line you just said. Well, you, that, that's a great line. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> about how you tell people you read the book, or you, you know that that. About... Yeah, yeah. Like, like you, you, you'll tell people when you've read a book. You won't tell people when you've bought the book. That's it. Yeah, that's, so that, true. that's such a good point. I love that point. <laughs> And think of it, you know, you guys are are in the experience business. You create some of the best events that I've ever seen. You can't celebrate the day you tell the ticket. You've got to celebrate with all of those people when they got more than they bargained for, yeah, having so. bought the ticket, having been to the event. And that's what allows you to be on year, whatever it is right now, growing year in, year out. Is because people got more than they expected. Right. And if you can make sure that you always deliver more than they anticipated, you'll build a sustainable business. It has to go beyond the idea. It has to go. Yeah. yeah it has, it to, has to deliver more than the promise. Right. That means you have to know what your promise is, and then you have to track that journey through till the end of that promise. Yeah. It's the difference between people who say um, they're an entrepreneur and those that actually build a business. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the secondary thought is I'm not, uh, I'm not, and people just say they're entrepreneurs before they actually are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a building that business, having that long term. You, you mean you mean entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs, yeah. We we we, we had a whole, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had a whole episode on entrepreneurship where you just put it in your your uh, Instagram bio and that's it. You're an entrepreneur, and and and, 
actually, we, we should also celebrate that to a point because you can be an entrepreneur with a with a small side hustle business that you're growing it, you're taking care of. Because I think it gets glamorized in the other direction where people think like you have to be a startup and you're going to get VC backed and then right. you're going to sell out to private equity. And that's what being an entrepreneur is. Entrepreneur means posting on on Instagram, the smart hustle. It means putting pictures on your wall about I was grinding till 3 a.m. in the morning. And, 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 and people think that's what entrepreneurship is. It, it can be anywhere in between. You know, I had a business right. at 14 years of age. I was knocking on the doors of my neighbors, asking them politely whether they wanted their cars washed. By the age of 15, we had a small business and I was earning more money than most of my school teachers. And that was an entrepreneurial business. We weren't making mega bucks. I never had anything that was truly saleable. Right. I couldn't have an exit strategy from it, but I was entrepreneurial in spirit and entrepreneurial in action. Right. So let's make sure that what we don't do is, is we don't have people thinking that a small business is not entrepreneurial. No, but it's, often... Don't just stick it in your Instagram bio because what you did is you built a blog site right. and you put a blog up and nobody's ever paid you and you're giving advice about things that you haven't experienced yourself. Yeah. 20-year-old life coach. <laughs> you, uh, one of the things um, you, you did, you, you do, you do talk about, and I've seen on a lot of your, you know, your videos and and uh, in, your, in your book and stuff. Speaking of Instagram, uh, Phil, I thought you had like some really great points on the content you should be providing as an entrepreneur uh, on on your social media. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think anything we do, if you don't know why you're doing it, then why are you doing it? Whether that's social media or anything else in life. So the content needs to needs to serve purpose. Is it to educate? Is it to engage? Is it to entertain? Is it something embarrassing that creates a, a window into your soul? I think those four E's are worth thinking about. Education, entertainment, engagement, or embarrassing. Those seem to be the four types of posts that have some form of value to the other person. Does it educate, does it entertain, does it engage, or does it embarrass? So what are those things for? But also then consider different platforms for different purpose. So I do a lot on social through Facebook groups. Why? Because those Facebook groups are a closed community. I can build trust within those spaces, and those people can feel safer in that environment. We can have framed conversations with boundaries. On Instagram, I can go wherever on earth I like because it's an open platform and everybody has eyes on me, but I'm aware of the fact that everybody has eyes on me. Everybody from my mother-in-law right through to a potential new future client, right through to a 15-year-old kid who read one of my books and is expecting to be able to be inspired to go on to brilliance, I have to be judgmental that all those eyes are on me and what am I doing to be able to telecurate a story. And that that's Peter Parker stuff, right? That's with great power comes great responsibility. And, and that that limits me sometimes. That's like, ah, I don't know who I'm talking to. So what do I say? Because I don't have the permission of boundaries. And I, and I think sometimes that's back to the point of when you're building a business, you've got to pick a lane so that you can say, I've got clarity in my mind of right. who it is I'm talking to. And if the wrong people find themselves in my lane, that's on them. Right. Yeah. But if the right people are in my lane, I can then be able to encourage more of that. Oh, it's great insight, especially for 21st century young business entrepreneurs, you know, just to, to understand the importance of their social media platform. And, and, uh, who's, who's and let me give a, give a comment towards metrics right now. So, so the most successful piece of social media marketing I have is a single video that, that, that exists on my YouTube channel that has somewhere like 2,600 views. Now, 2,600 views on YouTube is nothing. Right. in the internet metrics of, wow, this is a runaway success. You wouldn't call it a viral video. Right. 
That individual video, though, has resulted in me securing somewhere in the region of $1.2 million worth of business. Right, yeah. right. Scott the video Stratton. cost me 1200 bucks to produce. Yeah, Scott talks about that viral videos versus valuable videos. Yeah, and it's, it's fit for purpose. Right. That video, I didn't want eyeballs on it. I wanted specific eyeballs on right. it for a specific point within my customer experience and sales journey, and it's crushing it. Right. I've got other videos that have done gangbuster with numbers on it that have achieved nada. And, and the same with some social posts. You know, they might have had engagement of three people, but there were three of the right people. Right. As opposed to something that sucks from my life. And, and, and a wariness, particularly for entrepreneurs with social media, is if you don't do it with the right strategy behind it, you'll end up um, like taking on board a pet. Um, that needs feeding, watering, walking, but doesn't snuggle with you on the couch. <laughs> like it doesn't give anything back in return. And, and I think lots of people are there with their social channels where they've jumped into too many things blind. And now they've like, I've got an audience here and an audience here and an audience here and not really. And they're, and they're putting time, effort and energy into something that brings zero returns because it wasn't done with purpose in the first instance. Right. That's you know, I, I, um, I, I think that, you know, we've gone as a society in, in, in North America, anyway, at least Western, the Western society, we've gone you know, really heavy onto the social media platforms for our yeah. communication, like really heavy. Um, and with our business, one of the things that we do um, is we handwrite a lot of notes. We handwrite letters, we handwrite yeah, a lot yeah. of things. And we, we mail out, we have so much mail. We're keeping our post service in business, I swear. <laughs> I love it. Um, where do you think the value is in almost going backwards with that communication. I think it's valuable. What do you think? Um, I, I, it's it's differential. It's just what's always been true. So, so let's just understand that it certainly isn't backwards. I think in any given environment, whether it's an audience at a speech, whether it's a customer of your business, whether it's a friend, family member, or loved one, what the other person always wants from you is show me that you know me. Right. Show me that you know me. That is a huge piece That's a great right line, yeah. And, and that's, you, you get that part right, you hit jackpot. Right. And that might be a handwritten letter, but to some people, the handwritten letter is a giant turnoff. So it isn't what's the right tactic, it's what's the right tactic for the right group of people. Right. Like people are talking right now, do, do chatbots and do, you know, just automation of customer service work with some businesses. And I think, yes, it does. Like if I have a concern with Amazon, and I need to return something, all I want is I want that process to be efficient. I don't need to speak to a human to be able to do that as long as the system works. No, that but works. What I don't like is I don't like to be sold to by a robot. Right. I that don't works. I'm being served by a robot. That works for uh, Amazon because they're huge, but if you're starting a business. Yeah. And, and let's take that handwritten note thing, right? As a kid, one of the things that, that I enjoyed doing was, was giving back. And one year I decided to sponsor a dolphin at the local zoo. Now I sponsored a dolphin at the local zoo, put some of my hard earned money into sponsoring that dolphin. And on my birthday, I got a card from the dolphin. <laughs> and the dolphin didn't handwrite it, it was printed, it was digitally printed. And I learned real quick that everybody who sponsored said dolphin got the exact same card. Right. As a result of which I instantly stopped sponsoring the dolphin because I weren't special no more. And it was insincere. Yes. So the sincerity needs to be there. Sincerity can be there with automation. Sincerity can be there with it handwritten. I write around 2,500 handwritten notes a year. My assistant says, Phil, do you want me to write them for you? I said, no, that's not the point. 
doesn't matter what they look like. It's not the point. I handwrite envelopes. My wife says, your handwriting sucks. Do you want me to write them for you? I say, no, that's not the point. Because whilst I'm writing the envelope, I'm thinking about that person. I'm thinking about the sentiment. I'm thinking about the intent that it needs to have. I put stamps in the corners of the letters that I send as opposed to have digital frank things. Why? Because I like receiving that mail. When I see that mail through my mailbox, I'm like, this is fun. When I see it looking like a piece of corporate literature, I'm like, ah, this is either a bill or somebody trying to sell me something. This sucks. Changes how I feel about it. It turns mail opening into joy as opposed to mail opening into chore, purely the way that we set it up if we get it right. Right. So, uh, I mean, you're working on a a bunch of things, Phil. Do you you want to uh, maybe... um Educate our audience on some of the, uh, some of your newest projects. I know you have a new book, exactly where to start, and, uh, uh, and you have a lot of things yeah, going exactly on. Exactly where to start is a great book to be able to get you in the game. It won't get you on the podium, but it will get you in the game. If you've got an idea, you want to start with the business, you don't know where to start, what are the steps, how do you get your mindset right, what are the first steps to go through, how do I check viability, how do I be able to work my numbers, what do I do to be able to build my squad, how do I know who the people are to trust and who the people are to ignore, this book gets you there gets you to the start line, means your business now exists, means your idea is now happening, and then you can lean on some of the other professionals to help make you fly. But perhaps the thing I'm most excited about right now is a project that I did with Audible. So I um, yeah, this is have exciting. this passion forever about the fact that people completely misconstrue what selling really is. And I've devoted my life to teaching the world to sell. I want to reach you know millions of people and help them to be able to reframe what they think about sales and salesmanship. So I approached Audible with an idea that I wanted to create the most accessible sales training program that has ever existed. And I think we've done it. We have now for the downloadable purchase of a credit on Audible or like 15 bucks or something crazy, launching in January of 2019, we're taking my life's work, we've packaged it into one eight hour workshop experience, but a workshop experience for the listener. So not just a recording of the day that happened, a recording that was done with the purpose of the listener being able to plug in, And my goal is to change the way of business training so it's accessible from anybody as simple as a 12-year-old kid wanting to start in business who doesn't have the funds to be able to do so, right through to an organization with 5,000 sales staff that wants to be able to train their people without sending them to a big hotel and putting them in a conference room. Um, And I'm excited about the impact that that could have on the world because we kind of created an infotainment category, maybe a category that hasn't existed before. and, and, And I'm nervously awaiting that to come out and see if the market responds to it in the same kind of way that, that, that I think they might. And that's coming out in January. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. And you know, Phil, we're excited because you're gonna be um, hanging out with us in April um, <laughs> in, in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, um, as we put together our EPIC program. And we're excited for you to share with our small group of amazing human beings, um, you know, how they can build their business and their, and their personal brands. And I love that. Small groups are so fun too because you will know about my work. My book titles tell you like exactly, exactly, exactly. I'm not big into kind of broadcast statements, one size fits all. So the fact we get to work with a with a small group of people and help them understand some precise strategies that could work for them and in their, their business and how they could see that one that might work for that guy might not work for that girl that could be different for this group of people over here. That that's something that I'm super excited and looking forward to. So well done for pulling that together. Yeah, and I, and the people who will be at Epic are going to have a chance to actually have interactions with you and ask questions, and and which I think yeah. is great. You know, one thing I'll speak to your to your writing style, um, Phil, is you 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 don't um, you get right to it um, <laughs> in your books. Like you know, they're not big books. I mean, I think it was um, Ken Blanchard 
who wrote the one minute uh, man, uh, one minute manager, okay. and he said uh, they said you know he charged twenty dollars for the book, and someone said how can you charge twenty dollars for just such a small book, and he said uh, if a book is too large, it's a waste of money or something. I'm, I'm screwing the line up, but it was like you, you shouldn't have to say very much to make your point. Yeah, um, and I think you. you and the, the, I was listening this morning, re listening um, to exactly what to say, and and the first thing you talk about in it is this may not be for you, but. <laughs> and that reminded me of like I could use I have I have used that and I, I, I remind me to use it again like that was like the first 60 seconds yep you gave me a takeaway you reminded me again but gave it gave a takeaway in the first 60 seconds it could be a game changer yeah. for entrepreneurs you know it, it's almost like reducing the arrogance but just grabbing your customer and just saying this may not be for you but mm. what a great opener yeah. and we have to remember as content producers now the the one thing that we are in competition for is the attention of our audience. Right. Mm. Our competition isn't necessarily the people doing a similar thing for us. The competition is the seconds that tick by in a day that yeah. somebody could be doing something else with it. Yeah. And I'm having these discussions, perhaps even bordering on arguments, with the likes of Audible right now where they're saying we need an eight-hour program. And I'm saying, really? Are you sure? Right. Like I know that there is this belief that we need eight hours to part with $25, but what if – what if I could get all that value zipped up in a small little potion? Because that's what we look for in all sorts of other areas in our life, right? We want bite size, we want instant, we want efficiencies. Yeah. Now it means that you have to then be able to distill stuff. Right. And that's hard. Right. Yeah. They say the new currency is time, mm -hmm. right? And so if you can get your point across and do it well, which you do. Um, you betcha. Yeah. Phil, thank you. You're very welcome. It's yeah, a delight humble. to be able to be on your show, chat with you guys. And how do people get a hold of you in the world? Um, I, I guess two things. If you just want to find out and dig around, stick Phil M. Jones into Google and you can poke around and find podcasts and blogs and books and websites and all that kind of jazz. If you want to talk to me, um, come find me on Instagram, Phil M. Jones UK. Come find me on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn and Instagram, you'll always find me as opposed to anybody that is um, is acting on those those platforms on my behalf. Love to hear what people take away Never reach out and tell me that you thought I was brilliant. Tell me what you've managed to be able to do that's allowed you to be more brilliant. And then I love talking to people. I'm, I'm sure that our uh, our listeners, all 24 of them, will reach out to you. But both of them. Both of them. Well, that's <laughs> us. The three of us now. Um, well, thank you, though. Thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, that was a great conversation. And uh, we are so thankful and grateful for Phil uh, joining us all the way from New York, uh, from his home. A couple of things I took away from the conversation, just to wrap this up um, as we wrap this episode up. Again, subscribe and share and comment and uh, rate us, please. Um, is the two things I took away, and you may have some of your own, but uh, one was authenticity of communication. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned him about writing letters. He took it to the next level and talked about um, handwriting, even the addresses on the envelopes. Mm -hmm. um, putting the actual stamp on it, um, you know, I think that is a game changer for entrepreneurs because they think that putting out a blog or putting out, um, you know, uh, social media posts uh, is is what they need to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've, I've always held on to that kind of old school belief and I think it's going to be a differential for businesses in the, in the, in the next five to ten years is those that are still holding on to, um, you know, that organic connection to their customer, to their client, to their to their audience. I think that's huge. And the second thing I, I liked he talked about was the video that he put together on YouTube that had, I think he said 23 or 2,500 views. 
that garnered him $1.2 million in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it was about the quality and and how he directed that video to yeah. the right audience, yeah. that was a value. And often we think as entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs, and I, I get caught up in it too, is thinking if I don't have enough likes or enough views, then um, it's not worth it. And I, I think it's what's interesting is I actually got a, I was in PEI, last week at a conference and one of the members of the audience walked up afterwards and said, I am loving your podcast. Oh, great. And I'm, and I'm, I'm really valuing it. And, and I kind of look at our numbers sometimes on YouTube and we don't really promote YouTube uh, that much, but you're welcome to subscribe to it. The authentic entrepreneurs, um, and think it's not, it's not worth it, but it is like she mm-hmm. watches it on YouTube. Oh yeah. And yeah. An, another teacher actually emailed me at a college, um, and said, I'm using this in my class. Great. Yep. In her business class. She's showing episode five that we did, which was on, uh, I believe, what was it on? But she, episode five she showed in her class, and she just loved it, and the mm-hmm. students really valued it. Well, and I, I mean, just you know, in speaking to your point, I, I think that, uh, you know, with Phil, I really love, I mean, he's just a powerhouse of, of knowledge, too, right? Yeah. And he knows exactly, you know, knows exactly what he wants to, uh, to, to to work on and what he's working on is you know obviously uh, the art of selling and and but relationships I thought that was a really big one that came it's not about the transaction yeah. and for a guy who makes a living on teaching people how to sell and and that what he was saying is it's not about it's not about the end result the transaction it's about building that long-term relationship yeah. and I yeah. and I actually I asked him you know specifically to do with um, uh, online you know digital businesses because I, I I run one was you know what do you what can we do in order to build that transact or to, in order to build that relationship yeah. and and the the knowledge was <clears throat> that he gave was was fantastic it's about you know um, communicating with your client and, and understanding that you're in this together yeah. and I think that's a that's a big big takeaway right hundred so. percent and I also think it's great that he mentioned it it's a commonality here in all entrepreneurs at 13 years of age, his first business was washing cars. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then within a year, he was making more money than some of his teachers. Yeah. And I, I love those stories. I, I, I send them to us because I love stories of that really basic young, yeah. you know, eight-year-old kid doing lemonade, 10-year-old kid doing lawn cutting, yeah. 12-year-old kid doing the snow shoveling, you know, him washing cars, whatever it is, you know, you know Gary Vee's story of, of selling baseball cars, yeah. whatever it is, like, You've all got that young kid. I think entrepreneurship starts in your blood when you're young. And, sure. and Phil, I think, just backed up that belief that we both have. Exactly. Great so, episode. Great episode. Um, again, please uh, subscribe. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate all the listeners. And we're very grateful for all of you. So all 22 subscribers. I think we're one or two more than that. But yes, please subscribe and like and uh, comment. Comment. All good comments. Yeah. Or bad comments. We'll take them all. Yeah, take them all. And yeah. questions are always welcome. Um, just throw questions to us. Um, and our website is authenticentrepreneurs.biz. .biz. Um, or they can connect with us on, on our personal Instagram. Yeah. YLCC uh, Stu. YLCC Stu. And uh, Nick underscore Foley one. All right. Right on. So on behalf of Nick Foley, I'm Stu Saunders. Keeping authentic. Powerhouse of an individual, powerhouse of a speaker, and a real great guy to interview. We hope you enjoyed the episode. My name is Nick Foley. Like I said, my partner, Stu Saunders, is behind the scenes making the epic community event happen in beautiful Vancouver, BC. We hope you sign up for next year when we bring it again, or when he brings it again, and we will see you next week.